Hi there, guys. Thanks for joining us for the sound of the start of your weekend. It's the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show. It's sponsored by Betfair. We've got a full slate this weekend in the EFL to get stuck into. I'm Ali Maxwell. I've got George Ellick next to me. We're going to be making picks, betting picks, ahead of the EFL weekend. This show is for over-18s only. And we ask that everyone listening and thinking of placing a bet this weekend or any time to be gamble aware and understand the risks that come with gambling. Head to BeGambleAware.org to brush up on those risks. Hello. Hello, good day. How are you? I am fine. How are you? All good. All good. You're, Sounds you're like quite tired. I'm fine. Mm. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> you're all business. And business is good because in recent weeks you've been in the business of winning picks at quite junky prices. You did yeah, it again last week. I did it again. QPR minus yes. one, 15 to two was also my next best. QPR oh, nice. draw no bet. So Friday night was great. Long shot, 15 to two winner for you. Uh, next best for me, 2.55, 31 to 20. Saturday lunchtime, not so fun. Uh, our double nap was West Brom draw no bet. And well, you've probably all seen the goal, haven't you? West Brom equalise, pushing for a winner, a couple of long throw opportunities, get a bit overexcited, Leicester score on the break. George got an, an Argyle injury time winner, so he got the other side of the coin as well for his next best. My long shot Wednesday and BTTS came in. Sunderland and BTTS, it was 1-1. Uh, so that was frustrating. So uh, quite a poor six-week period for me. Uh, I've given back about 10 points in that time. Thankfully, you've won around 10 points in that time. So uh, very much propping me up uh, in the recent form. Where do you think the best bet is, George? What's your nap? It's interesting that you say games mm. because this is a double nap. Oh, what? What? Yeah, it is a double nap, What's even though I've picked a different nap than you. Is it a nap double? I, it's a nap double. <laughs> what? I know. Wow. I've never done this before. Maybe for a reason? No, because let's let's myth bust to start with. Firstly, you'll get some people telling you that multiples are muggy within themselves. Now, you know, maybe if you're having a tenfold, then the chances of you winning are fairly unlikely. But if you've got two selections that you think are both value, then by multiplying them, given it's just pure maths, uh, the, the double price, which is the combined price of the two, then it still remains value. There's no inherent issue with, with, with multiplying bets. Secondly, the two games that I've chosen are both very short. To the extent that I wouldn't be that interested myself in, in either backing them as a single, I possibly would, or um, certainly not tipping them up on a podcast like this. But that doesn't mean that they can't be value. You know, like a, a 10 on shot can be value. Mm. It should be 20 on. And then, yeah. you know, I can see you grimace. But like, wow. At that point, what are we doing here? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I'm not putting up a 10 on shot. <laughs> Um, my, my double nap double is, uh, Wrexham to beat Forest Green and Stockport to beat Morecambe. The big dogs. I am, yeah, the, the league to big dogs. I'm a little bit wary that I think my personal biggest footballing betting issue is that I too often back away teams. Mm -hmm. I'm too often happy to see the fact they're away from home and be like, yeah, I'm going to bet them anyway. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm going to, I, I just think that the, the way, the fact they're better is, is I basically don't quantify enough of home advantage into my general. Because you've always been quite open about just finding home advantage, just baffling. Blows my mind. To the extent where sometimes you forget that it exists. Blows my mind. So this time I'm doing two of them instead. Um, 
let's kick off with Morecambe Stockport because that's the one I think, you know, they're, they're 8 to 13 Stockport. So fairly short as you'd expect. They're actually, and this is a bit of a surprise, they are winless in their last four games in the competition, Stockport. Wow. So, um, yeah, since losing to Newport uh, away from home, um, they have been having a little bit of trouble. And I think even though they cope with it very well to start with, uh, the loss of Louis Barry, um, I think, is, is really starting to show in terms of their attacking play. Having said that, and, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be in a massive rush to back Stockport against most sides in... in um, in the league, but there's going to be an element here where Stockport's recent dip in form is going to be factored into the prices. It's more Morecambe, the, the ones that I am really keen to take on, especially against the team that I consider to be the best team in the league. Um, you know, we saw them in their two league games since Derek Adams left. They they lost to Wrexham 6-0. They were beaten at home by Newport. We know how good their home form was under Adams. And, you know, with the new manager coming in and being given the job after a 6-0 defeat, you know, yes, they went to Wickham and won 2-0 in the FA Cup and that is a good good result for them. I still think you've got a side here who, despite their kind of relatively lofty league position, were one of the worst teams in terms of pure data in, the, uh, in League 2. And it was hard for me to see that their level of form being sustained. Now that Adams has left, who we know has a massive positive impact on uh, what happens at Morecambe, I don't think it takes too much in terms of mental gymnastics to, to come to the conclusion that things might drop off pretty quickly and that it's a tall order to expect the new manager to come in and and maintain things. So that's my first line of thinking, is just that this is the best team in the league against maybe one of the worst, despite what the, the league table says, and apologies for Morecambe fans who will be wondering how I can say that, but... As I've said on the Monday pod, I'm personally not convinced that Morecambe are, are safe yet. Like, I, I think they're a, a bad run of form away from being really dragged into a League Two that's different to most years because when you look at the teams at the bottom of League Two, I think there's a reason you can expect, or not expect, but think that all of them could pick up points fairly soon. A lot of points still to play for. A lot, and it's easy to forget that. Um, with, with Wrexham, I mean, their away form in itself hasn't been great so far this season, um, but in Forest Green, I think they've kind of got... a a side that is perfect for them to play against where away from home Wrexham are at you know at, at their worst even if when you when you factor in the fact their away form isn't great they are very very solid um they've only conceded 12 goals on the road so far this campaign they've only lost two away games I mean they've drawn five but they've only lost two games it's weird their home game is very high scoring their away game seem to be basically the opposite um and one of those and of those 12 goals they conceded five of those came against Stockport in that 5-0 defeat um Forest Green on the other hand are the worst home team in the league um they've played 11 games at home they've lost eight of them they've got a minus 10 goal difference the only team in the in the league to have a, a minus double figure goal difference the next worst is, is, is minus six with Harrogate so you've got basically a team who really struggled to play in front of their own fans for whatever reason um you've got you know their, their good performances this season have been thanks to some good attacking play against weaker sides. This Wrexham defensive line is very, very solid. And I think this will be a fairly easy game for Wrexham to make their clear um, superiority in terms of, of both in the dugout and in terms of playing staff count. So it comes to the double um, 2.69. So it's just short of 7 or 4, basically, uh, for the double. And that's my nap. I'm going all the way to Monday night for my best bet of the weekend, uh, and it's live on Sky. And it's Bolton to beat Portsmouth, the top two in League One, going head-to-head. Uh, Bolton's win price, 3.1, 21-10, to 10, 
with the Betfair Sportsbook. It's already come in a little bit today, and I wouldn't be surprised if it continues to do so. Uh, this, for me, the best bet of the weekend. Now, I'm not here to tell you that Portsmouth are bad. Um, you know, they had an incredible start to the season. They were edging a lot of tight games, a lot of late equalizers. We definitely questioned whether the the rate that they were accruing points would continue. Uh, they did eventually get beaten, 4-0 at home to, to Blackpool, but they bounced back pretty well. Um, they've got back-to-back away wins in the league to nil. Uh, their numbers are pretty strong. Their underlying performance data is, is pretty strong. Uh, the personality of the team seems pretty strong as well. Um, there's a lot to be impressed by when it comes to Portsmouth. I, I just do think that Bolton are a better football team um, by a couple of small margins. I think they're slightly better in their build-up. I think their patterns of play are more coherent and more well-drilled. And I think I think the players that they have put together in this squad over a long period of time, uh, as we always mention, progressing year on year under Ian Everett, the players are really used to the system. Uh, I think they have better... Combination play, particularly out wide, where they get a ton of goals from uh, working it slowly with the right wing back, with one of the outside centre midfielders, um, or maybe two, in fact, uh, or maybe the outside centre back. And then they they strike and they they get balls into the box and they have a lot of men in there. I think they're slightly better on the ball in midfield. And their midfield's been really strong recently. Sheehan's been excellent at the base. Magoma looks really classy. Uh, Thomason and Morley as well chipping in. Up top, they've got Dion Charles, uh, who's their kind of star man. And then uh, I think Lundulu's injured for this one. So Bodvarsson or Adeboyejo, the key thing being that they've always got someone to come on after 60 minutes and, and kind of keep the intensity up. Bolton haven't conceded a goal in their last five league games. They're in really strong form. There's one particular area of the pitch that I think could be really good for Bolton. It's their right side going forward, Portsmouth's left side. Now, Pompey left-back Jack Sparks has been excellent this season, has set up a ton of goals. His delivery, uh, both from dead ball situations and also from deep crossing, uh, has been one of their their best attacking assets this season. But Sparks has always been considered someone that is much weaker defensively than he is going forward. And teams know that and teams target the players that they think are weak defensively. Now, the problem is Bolton are probably strongest down their right side. Uh, Dacus Cogley has been an excellent signing at right wing back. And I really think they will target um, Sparks when they get settled possession. I think they will build down that side and try and go from there. There have been many teams recently that have struggled to handle it. And I wouldn't be surprised if Portsmouth find that difficult. So I think it's going to be a really, really great game. I think it's a brilliant game to be uh, televised on a Monday night. The last big thing, Colby Bishop is... As far as I know, injured. Moussinia said he was going to be out for weeks and he's only missed one game so far. I believe that Bishop will be missing here like he was in their last game. Now, they won 3-0 in their last game. Cassini Yangi played up front. He had a decent game. He is not nearly the same player as Bishop in terms of being an established number nine who relishes the physical battle and scores goals and leads the line and just keeps going for 90 minutes. It's a massive drop-off in quality between Bishop and anyone who plays up front for Portsmouth. And Regan Poole, of course, who started so well at centre-back, is now out for long-term as well. So a couple of key absences, crucial players at both ends, I think just weakens Portsmouth. And there's the fact that I think overall, probably Bolton are a slightly better side anyway. So all those things combined make me want to back Bolton. Uh, better than 2-1, to 21-10 to 10 with the Betfair Sportsbook live on Sky on Monday night. My nap. What's your next best? Yeah, going into League One for my next best, and I am backing Reading to beat Barnsley at seventeen to ten uh, is my next best. Um, Reading coming into some decent form, I would say, which is worrying for Oxford fans ahead of Tuesday night's normal 
game, not a derby, not a rivalry. Just a normal just game a, between Thames Valley friends. Just just a game. Um, <laughs> last time, Reading seen at home, they beat Carlisle 5-1 to make a back-to-back wins after beating Wickham uh, prior to that. Um, and they've kind of been hinting at doing this, I think, for, for quite a lot of the season. You think back to the game against uh, Shrewsbury, where they threw it through where they threw away a two-goal lead. You think back to the game against Pompey, where they threw away a two-goal lead, lost both those games 3-2. Um, there's definite promise in this Reading side, and I'm in myself uh, getting more and more confident that they'll be able to get themselves out of the, this mess. And I personally think that Ruben Sellers has done a really quite a good job um, at Reading this season in really difficult circumstances. But the majority of their points, well, all but three of their points have come at home. And two of their wins have come against two of the better teams in the division, in Bolton and in Stevenage. And Barnsley currently are seventh. I'm not convinced that that is where they'll finish the season. I still have some quite big concerns about the sustainability of their form. Um, their away form has generally been very good uh, so far in the season. Like they've won a lot of games away from home. But having, I think, won all of the, well, pretty much all of their games at home, sorry, away from home previously, they've now had three without a win. They went and drew one all at Leighton Orient. Um, they went to Lincoln and drew two all and they were beaten by Derby. And it's that Derby game that really stands out to me where Derby completely wiped the floor with, with Barnsley. Like Barnsley could barely barely created anything in the game. Even the late Orient game, Orient were far, by far the better side. So, and in Lincoln, um, you know, it was a, a tight game uh, that ended 2-2. But Barnsley kind of struggling consistently against a range of sides to be the better team away from home. Reading, I think, definitely at the peak of their powers so far this season on an upward curve themselves. Um, with individual players coming back who are signed in the summer, the likes of, you know, Nibs and Smith are now fully fit and playing regularly, which is massive. Young players, um, you know, certain young players who maybe started the season in the first team who are no longer there, who aren't up to it, and those who are kind of improving and getting there, it, it, it feels like it's all kind of coming together a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think it's a it's a really nice price. Barnsley probably understandably the favourites, uh, albeit marginally, given what's happened so far this season. But, you know, on what I was saying earlier, I think often... Uh, I should be looking more at teams like Reading when they're at home. Um, and they, you know, again, near enough seven to four, where it's quite easy to pick holes to the team they're playing against. Um, that's my next best. West Bromwich Albion draw no bet. Five to four, 2.25 with the Betfair Sportsbook. This was the nap last week against Leicester. It was a loser, a losing nap. And I'm going again. They're away at Sunderland. This one's also live on the box. I'm not picking televised games for any particular reason other than that I think they're interesting games and I think there's value to be had um Sunderland have sacked Tony Mowbray uh, on Monday night and it's one of those where I'm really intrigued to see what the response is uh from both the fans but also from the players it's hard to you know have your finger on the pulse and to accurately take the temperature of every fan base at, at, at all times but my sense is that there's a bit of a strange feeling amongst the fans that they're not devastated necessarily. There's been some poor results and performances recently. There's some things that have frustrated the fan base about Mowbray's recent management. But overall, he was very popular. Overall, there's an understanding that he massively overachieved last season. And so there's also not that like delight and excitement that sometimes grips a fan base when a manager that they really want to leave actually gets sacked. So intrigued about the atmosphere here. Um, it was also reported, or at least I saw someone on Twitter, and I've not verified this, say that the, the players themselves expressed, privately expressed surprise that Mowbray had been sacked. Again, it doesn't smack of a, a squad that have you know, stopped playing properly because they don't like the manager and they're waiting for him to go so they can start playing better under a new one. So uh, Sunderland-wise, I'm just 
uneasy uh, about this one in particular. Their execution in both boxes has been poor recently. There's no doubting that. I still don't think, and I said this last week, picking them to win and BTTS at Millwall, I don't think they're playing that poorly as a football team. I think they're broadly still doing a lot of the things that you need to do to win football matches. But there, there has been a lack of confidence and a bit less coherence and a bit less execution in both boxes recently. I don't think, given that, that West Brom is a good fixture for them at all. I don't think it's a good matchup for them at all. Sunderland are a young team. They're kind of, they're a bit more vibes based than tactics based. Um, they're sort of high ceiling, but quite a low floor type team. And I think West Brom are basically the opposite of that. And I think I generally lean towards the higher floor teams in one-off fixtures uh, in those circumstances. Baggies were not as excellent against Leicester as we'd hoped they would be and probably not quite as good as we maybe bigged them up to be. They did show that they are excellent Without the ball, they still restricted Leicester to very few shots whatsoever. They were still absolutely on it, out of possession. They probably also showed they're not nearly as good going forward as the best teams in the division. Ipswich, Leeds, Leicester, uh, Southampton, Middlesbrough in terms of attacking play. But boy, do they have a high floor, West Brom. You know that whatever they're like going forward, they, they are almost... You know, you can almost hang your hat on them being good out of possession, keeping the score down, zeros and ones type thing. So... I'm back in Corbran once again. If there are vulnerabilities or weaknesses or nerves in this Sunderland team, you can be sure that Corbran will find them and exploit them. So uh, going again, West Brom draw no bet. We're not done with baggies. Uh, I'm backing baggies. Five to four with the Betfair Sportsbook, that is. On Saturday lunchtime, uh, never back the early game and the Monday night game. We're just subverting betting norms does anyone ever say never about the monday night game <laughs> no no they don't uh let me tell you about the match odds 90 market this season's big offer from betfair this this is the markets with the 90 icon uh, on the betfair sportsbook and it means that if the team that you bet on is winning when the clock hits 90 you'll be paid out as a winner no matter what happens in added time so could be specific reasons for you wanting to back a team but wanting that insurance as well you can build ackers with the match odds 90 market too. Uh, as always, make sure you read the T's and C's to understand it. Match odds 90 uh, this season's offer from Betfair. Who's your goal scorer and why? Ben Whitfield. Yeah, that's fun. Thanks. 13 to 5 he is. Been on the score sheet a couple of times recently. He scored twice and two. There you go. Um, he's playing up front, which is not where he normally plays um, alongside Emil Aqua, to the extent that um, your friend, my friend, Dominic Telford, mm. just isn't playing at the moment. He's coming <sighs> off the bench. Um, okay. Whitfield has scored... In uh, Barrow's last home game, he also scored in the Cup uh, and then was hooked after after an hour, making me think that he's probably, well, it'd be very strange if he didn't start here, um, given he scored two and two in his last two. Um, he's 13-5, to five, great to score any time for Barrow. Her home to Gillingham. Gillingham making a pretty good start on Stephen Clements, it's fair to say. I'm still not sold, not because I hate Gillingham, but just because... Um, it's early days in his reign and I still just always panic a little bit when you get a squad that's been kind of built to play a certain way, changing style completely. Barrow, I, you know, as um, Goffey said in, in the long shot uh, in the last couple of weeks, Barrow are very good and um, I'm not necessarily sure the market is twigged as just how good they are. Like, are they the best of the rest of the big four? Are they maybe the big five in League Two? Um, we're going to find out in the next couple of wow. weeks. Um, and they, if they are... They're going to need to be beating Gillingham at home. They were in order to prove it. They were my next on the list, um, but they, they shortened up a little bit. Um, they're now ninety to twenty to win this game. Um, but I, yeah, I just think Whitfield playing through the middle. You know, for comparison's sake, Dominic Telford is even money to score. Is he really? And the player who's wow. starting ahead of him, who scored two and two in uh, Ben Whitfield, is thirteen to five. N- do need I say more? No. Cool. 
Uh, you've picked someone that scored two and two. I'm picking someone that scored last week as well. I'm not sure if necessarily that is the best way to go about things, but <laughs> no. there's more reasoning to it. You've given yours. Let me give mine. When I back Jason Knight to score anytime for Bristol City at Huddersfield at seven to one anytime, Jason Knight. That is good. Seven to one. Big, big price. In my humble opinion, he scored against Norwich last time out. He took four shots in the game, two on target. And you might have watched that game and thought, oh, Knight's popping up in a couple of new positions. That's right, because Knight is playing a much more attacking role uh, under Manning as he did under Pearson. Basically, a number 10 role, like a sort of pressing number 10 role. Uh, he's got Gardner Hickman and James playing behind him. Uh, and he's enjoying the freedom that he's getting. Uh, 37 touches in the attacking third against Norwich. I think that's the first time in eight years of podcasting I've ever found a player's touches. stat for touches in the attacking third. But where, FB, where ref, find it? FB Ref have got all that stuff for the championship. It's great. Exciting. I, I need to look at FB Ref more. Touches in the box, touches in the attacking mm. third. Don't get on it now. We're in the middle of recording. Anyway, 37 touches in the attacking third against Norwich, the most of the season so far for Jason Knight. Uh, there was a game against Wednesday last month where he had six shots, two on target. There have been a, a couple of games where he's been quieter, but overall, when a player moves higher up the pitch, he's playing a new role that involves them uh, getting inside the opposition um, third and the opposition box uh, at greater regularity, and they're scoring goals, and they're 7-1 to any time. I think that it's worth getting on board. So this is also down to the fact that Huddersfield have drawn with Saints, beaten Sunderland and drawn with Swansea in their last three games. And even though those results are objectively impressive, I'm still not sure I'm really having them as a particularly good team. Uh, and I think there's a chance that Bristol City are actually a decent price. Uh, and if so, Jason Knight for me is the one to back. So 7-1 to one anytime, Jason Knight, uh, Bristol City, that's my goal scorer. Uh, what about your long <coughs> shot? So you know how sometimes for your long shot you do a double? Yes, I'm doing that this week, in fact. And what did I do for my nap? A, a nap double. So I'm doing a single long shot. Okay. That's what you did last week, and you had a 15-2 to winner. <laughs> yeah, but that was like, this is just a team to win. Okay, great. I'm backing Plymouth Argyle to beat Leicester at 19-2. to Yes. Ah, Come on. It's just a massive price. Like, I can't... But they don't win away. They only win at home. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> um... If you look at Plymouth Argyle's away record this season, it, it makes for quite strange reading where, mm -hmm. yes, they do not pick up very many points away from home. They've only picked up three. But those three draws came away at sides who are very good at football. Man City. <laughs> Watford, Hull and West Bromwich Albion. Like three tough places to go and they come away with a point from each of them. This will be the third of the three top teams that they've played um, away from home so far this season. They were beaten by Ipswich 3-2 in a game where they played brilliantly and probably gave Ipswich as much of a scare at Portman Road as any team has. And they went to Leeds and they'd lost 2-1. So both defeats, but both defeats by a solitary goal. So I think it's just a bit too neat to say Argyle are bad away from home. Like I, I think they have put in performances in games away from home that have been really good this season. They just haven't got over the line or won a game yet, but that doesn't mean they haven't been good performances. I'm still despite their, their victory over West Brom in a game where, again, they didn't create a great deal of chances. They were fairly solid defensively. I'm still just not sold that Leicester are as good as the market has them being. Like I just don't think Leicester are way clear of Ipswich. You should I, have said, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Leicester are way clear of Ipswich. I, don't think Leicester, I, think, I think Leeds are better than, than Leicester. I don't think Leicester are way clear of, of West Brom. And they are so short to win this game. 
Um, they've already lost two games at home this season against Leeds and against Hull. They don't necessarily, well, they don't normally score loads of goals at home. Like I know I got against them when Watford came to town the other day. It was nil-nil at halftime and then Watford. Uh, sorry, then Leicester were, were very good in the second half and beat them 2-0. And like the, the overwhelming likelihood is that Sorry, that Leicester will win this game. Um, but Argala aside, who have individuals, like whether it's Morgan Whitaker, whether it's Finazaz or Bali Mumba, who in isolation, in moments, can do very, very good things, who've stepped up to the plate in big games previously, last season and also this season in, in you know against teams we mentioned. I'd, yeah, I just think nearly pushing 10 to 1 for an Argyle win here is... Uh, and, and also, like we know the data isn't great with, with Plymouth. But I just it feels to me like this is a game where it's going to come down to moments where I don't think we can... I, I personally am not expecting Argyle to have one of their games where they batter the opposition. Um, they do like to counter quickly, though. But they do like to counter Dangerous. quickly. And they're playing against a, a supposedly very good side who just don't create loads of chances. Mm. And that's been their biggest issue. And they've got a, a goalkeeper in Mike Cooper who should be able to, to help them out if um, if he is kept busy. So, yeah, at 19-2, to two, just short of 10-1. Plymouth Argyle, I'm a, I'm a long shot. You know, if you had anything about you, at some point in that, you'd have said... This is the championship, a league where everyone can beat anyone. And that could have been justification for the whole pick. Yeah. Because often I find people who cover the championship just use that as justification like, for almost anything that But happens. even though you're joking, like a week and a half ago, this Leicester side played against Sheffield Wednesday, who were like adrift bottom of the championship. Yeah. And Wednesday, yes, they scored a late, a late goal to, to, to equalise. But like they were... There was nothing between the teams on the night. Mm. Like it's, it's not a massive leap to think that an Argyle side, given the, the the strengths that they've got, can go there and come away with all three points. I feel you. I feel you. Uh, I'm sticking to my win and BTTS double guns for another week. I don't feel like I'm a million miles off, so uh, I'm going to stick with it for now. This double is at 29.25 with the Betfair Sportsbook, uh, uh, 6.5 pick, so a 13 to two pick. Uh, sorry, an 11-2 pick and a 7-2 uh, pick. Uh, I've got a feeling about Fleetwood. I'm going to back them to beat Northampton and BTTS to land. I think there could be, well, I was going to say a statement win at some point. They did beat Reading and Exeter uh, about a month or so ago. They're off the back of two 3-0 defeats against Wigan and Stevenage. I wonder if there's a bit of a trend of Fleetwood being, I think, under Lee Johnson, better than four other teams at this level right now. I think they're they're probably uh, among the best of the sort of bottom eight teams at the moment under Lee Johnson. Uh, and I think that when they play another team in that group, and I think Northampton probably are, although broadly I'm kind of fairly confident they'll stay up as well, uh, I think that they can show that. I mean, both teams have quite a poor defensive record recently. Uh, and the way that Fleetwood are playing under Johnson, I think there's a chance that this could be fairly open and kind of lurch this way and that. I like the Fleetwood price and, and BTTS at 11 to 2. It's uh, it's interesting. And I'm adding Barnsley and BTTS, yes, against Reading, which is your next best. So directly opposed here. Um, speaking to Devante Cole on the Monday pod, um, you know, just hearing about, you know, hearing it confirmed, what we kind of already knew that Neil Collins wants them to be really open, expansive. You know, it's, it's high risk, high reward football. And it spits out a lot of goals scored, quite a lot of goals conceded as well. Now, Reading, I agree with you, are better than their league position suggests. Um, but I still think they're get-attable. Uh, and I think Barnsley, with their attacking options, their midfield options, um, I think that they can hurt what is a Reading defence that still hasn't proven itself to be particularly capable of, like, really, for 90 minutes, putting together the level of, like, 
concentration and discipline I think needed to, to keep clean sheets. BTTS, yes, has landed in Reading's last 10 in all comps uh, and I think it will again here but I think Barnsley have the quality to win the game. Uh, so that and BTTS is the second leg. Fleetwood and BTTS, yes. Barnsley and BTTS, yes. 29.25 with the Betfair Sportsbook. I would love it. Love it. Uh, and for our bonus, we missed the BTTS sixfold. We did. We thought it was time to bring him back. Bring it back. Bring it back. No, sing it back second time. Sing it back. I've got that wrong as well. Bring it back to me. Who are your three? <laughs> that was a disaster. <laughs> um, my three are starting in League One. I've got two in League One. Charlton Cambridge first up. Um, Cambridge under Neil Harris. Not a man who screams BTTS very often like, <laughs> like, like you do. Um, but Michael Appleton is someone who probably screams BTTS no every time his, concede, his team concede because they're doing that at the, um, the lot they're doing that a lot they're doing that a lot at the moment um, conceding conceding goals mm-hmm. um, yeah they, when they beat Cheltenham last time out um, Cheltenham scored first in the game uh, Lloyd Jones came hobbled off with an injury Appleton came in for a bit of stick from the fans for the strong team that he put out in midweek in the, uh, in the BSM trophy um, where Dobson and Jones both came off injured, which doesn't bode particularly well in terms of their defensive unit when Jones has been their best centre-back since Appleton came in and Dobson does obviously such an important role in front of the defence. Um, but we know that Charlton, from an attacking standpoint, are very, very strong. And you know, I still think that Charlton are in a much better position now than they were in or are playing at a much higher level than they were before the managerial change was made. Um, I think they'll have no issue breaking Cambridge down, whose defensive record, especially on, on the road at the moment, has been very poor. So that's the first one. Uh, Bristol Rovers, Cheltenham next up. As I mentioned, Cheltenham went to Charlton and scored recently. They've scored in every game for the last seven, I think it is, uh, under Daryl Clark. Uh, Bristol Rovers under Matt Taylor. We know that he might be slightly more of a pragmatic manager. He, although, you know, his exercise that went up was still pretty free scoring, but compared to the gung-ho eunuch um that is joey barton um it is a uh for for taylor to come into what is a very attacking side um i expect him to have the balls to really set them up to go forward and break cheltenham down consistently um so yeah i think this is a game where where both teams um, are probably fairly likely to uh have chances at least (laughs) Um, and then Bradford Salford in League Two, another one where we've got a change of manager. Well, it's been a, a couple of weeks now, but certainly uh, Graham Alexander's getting Bradford as a, a far more um, just a, a better attacking force. The addition of Tyler Smith has been uh, good, playing alongside Cook. Vidane Oliver back from injury as well for the first time in a while will offer something different as well. Salford recently, just you know, I know they had the nil-nil draw with Stockport, but their games have generally been very, very uh, end-to-end. Um, still not great defensively, but Matt Smith, as we know, getting a lot of chances. So my three, Charlton Cambridge, Bristol Rovers, uh, Cheltenham and Bradford Salford. Well done, mate. Um, Thanks. Rotherham Swansea is my first selection in the championship uh, at three to four. Say what you like about Rotherham. And if you said a lot of negative things about their football team this season, most of them would be fair and true. Uh, but... Never let it be said that they're bad going forward at home. Not that you would, because they do score goals at home. Uh, it's probably been their saving grace this season. And BTTS has landed in eight of nine home games. Now, this is the first home game where we expect Liam Richardson to be in charge. We think I so, don't we? believe will be appointed before this game. Uh, we don't know what Liam Richardson's Rotherham will look like exactly. He is, I think it's fair to say, a, a defence-first manager. But... 
They need to pick up points and there'll be no reason for him to, to treat this home game against Swansea uh, like they are, you know, with a real inferiority complex. Swansea themselves are managerless. Um, they've been quite a sort of vibes team recently, um, attacking fairly well, but looking pretty ropey at the back. So uh, Rotherham and Swans. Uh, Northampton against Fleetwood's in there as well, as discussed above. Uh, I just think the price 1.86 is, is priced up as if it's going to be really low margin. I don't agree with that. Therefore, I think it's value for BTTS. Um, and then Cole U. Crawley, almost the opposite. It's a very, very short price, this. Um, but that's because it's got goals written all over it. Crawley against Colchester. And mm. sometimes in your BTTS sixfold, you know, if it looks like BTTS, yes, and it smells like BTTS, yes. It's probably BTTS, yes, isn't it? Hopefully. Uh, so that's Colchester against Crawley. The sixfold is just a smudge under 30 to 1, 30.7 with the Betfair Sportsbook. And it is Rotherham versus Swansea, Bristol Rovers versus Cheltenham, Charlton versus Cambridge, Northampton versus Fleetwood, uh, Colchester and Crawley, and Bradford and Salford City. Uh, George, go on, recap your selections for us. Stockport and Wrexham double is my nap. Uh, Reading at home to Barnsley is my next best. Ben Whitfield for Barrow. Anytime goal scorer at 13 to 5 is my goal scorer. Uh, Argyle, 19 to 2. Away at Leicester is my long shot. A bit worried there might be disorder on the BS streets tonight when news of your nap double reaches the, the populace. We'll see. Populace? Population. Whatever you want. Cool. Uh, my nap is probably just stop saying stupid little asides and just get on with it. That, that was another one. Yeah, I know, I'm talking to myself. Right. And I'm, now I'm just perpetuating it, aren't I? Yes. Bolton to beat Portsmouth is my nap at 3.1, 21-10 with the Betfair Sportsbook. That one's on Monday night. On Saturday lunchtime, uh, West Brom travelled to Sunderland. I'm backing them, draw no bet at 5-4. Uh, my goal scorer is Jason Knight of Bristol City at Huddersfield. Uh, my long shot, Fleetwood and BTTS, yes, and Barnsley and BTTS, both of those in League One. The price is 29.25. And then the BTTS 6-4. We landed one, but it's further and further away in the rearview mirror now. We need to get another one up. It's just under 30 to 1. Uh, and it's Rotherham and Swansea. Uh, it's uh, Northampton and Fleetwood, Charlton and Cambridge, Bristol Rovers and Cheltenham, uh, Bradford and Salford City and Colchester and Crawley. Guys, thank you for listening to us talk through our picks this week. It's always an absolute pleasure. Thank you to Betfair for sponsoring this podcast. And I hope that you have a great weekend. Go well. <laughs>